Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Anthony Maliki and I'm the U.S. Editor of Waters. Today we have a special treat for you guys. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to have uh, an interview with Mark Andrews. He's the Vice President of Watson Financial Services Solutions for IBM. He's going to talk to us about how the company is using the famed Watson platform to help firms more efficiently handle regulatory and surveillance needs. We're also going to hit on some of the bigger trends looking at a com- uh, cognitive computing space. Uh, but before we get to that, some house cleaning. Uh, if you want to enter your firm into the Waters rankings for this year, the deadline is May 12th. For those of you that don't know, the Waters rankings are voted on only by end users. There aren't PR firms, vendors, consultancies. They're not eligible to vote. It's just end user firms. So all you have to do to enter is just give us your company name, your product name, and some contact info. Uh, on uh, the link down below, just scroll down if you're on the Waters Technology post here. Uh, and you can click on the link there. Go right to it. It should take you a minute to do. If you're on SoundCloud, just go to waterstechnology.com, find the Waters Wavelength 68 podcast post. Again, click on that and find the link. It should only take a minute of your time. We don't need a 500-word description. It's just your company name, product name, contact info. Very simple. The deadline, once again, is May 12th. Um, Also, next week, we hope you tune back in. Uh, I will be joined by a special guest. Can't tell you who it is yet because we're recording on Friday. So just in case things uh, don't go as planned, then it will just be me here with one of my colleagues. And uh, But we have our, our May features going up this week. So far, we've uh, posted uh, Mealy David. She wrote the cover profile of Jody Richard. She's uh, U.S. She at U.S. Bank. She's Chief Operation Risk Officer. Uh, so that was a really good profile there. And then just today, Dandy Francesco, he wrote a profile, or he uh, looked at the speed bumps in the uh, capital market space. Uh, so that's a really good deep dive there. Um, so we'll get into all that. I'm sure at some point, but next week we do have a guest, so tune back in. Um, otherwise, let's get to it. Let's hear from Mark, who sat down with Dandy Francesco and myself last week to discuss Watson and RegTech. Okay, and so now we're here with Mark Andrews. He is the VP of Watson Financial Services Solutions here at IBM. Uh, Mark has taken some time out to discuss uh, broadly uh, what IBM and specifically with its Watson offering um, might be bringing to the market, uh, a little bit of a preview for some of the things that they have to come, but also just kind of looking more at the challenges that uh, banks and you know just capital markets firms are, are dealing with uh, surveillance issues and an AML KYC. Um, Mark, maybe just to start off with, why don't you give us a little bit of your background, but then also about um, specifically uh, the Watson service and how you're looking to bring this to uh, market in the regulatory space. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. Uh, I've been spending most of my career in the financial services space and helping organizations figure out how to apply analytics and other types of technologies to improve various different business processes. And when we first uh, introduced Watson into the market and looked at how to commercialize the technologies, one of the opportunities we saw was the the, the challenges that financial services firms were facing, in particular around regulatory compliance. Uh, the processes are very manual uh, and uh, 
take a lot of time and effort, and in addition, require the ability to ingest and analyze a lot of unstructured information and also imperfect information, information that oftentimes is even conflicting. And that's the perfect place to apply cognitive technologies like Watson. Yeah, you know, so we, we had a chance to check out the facilities here and take a bit of a tour. And the one thing you brought up initially, and I thought it was an interesting point, is that you don't view this necessarily as AI, more augmented intelligence. Kind of talk a little bit about that, because as kind of, a, you know, for the layman's person or someone that's maybe not as familiar, their interpretation or understanding of Watson is, you know, what they've seen on Jeopardy, you know, answering the questions and how cool that is. And this is kind of a different interpretation or you, you guys have a different perspective uh, with Watson and how it kind of can relate to the capital markets as opposed to just maybe what people understand as pure AI. A absolutely. And, you know, when people first think about cognitive technologies or Watson, initially artificial intelligence comes into mind and, you know, these computers making decisions for you, answering questions for you. Uh, but in reality, in this space, we see it's critical that the banks are making the decisions on their own. They're still the ones accountable for addressing regulatory compliance. Regulators are maintaining that they are on the hook for ensuring that they adhere to the regulations. And really what we focused on is providing augmented intelligence. How do we provide better, deeper insights to the people that are making the decisions so that they can make better decisions faster and make more informed decisions and even make it based on a set of evidence? So what we focused on with Watson is really helping read through information, whether it's information about new regulations, um, reading case notes on prior anti-money laundering activity, uh, or reading through the communications and trading activities of individuals that have been involved in misconduct to be able to identify what are the patterns and learn over time to be more proactive about identifying what a bank needs to do to ensure that they are making the appropriate taking the appropriate actions to address regulatory compliance requirements. And am I correct now in saying that basically the practice gets broken up into four dis disciplines, uh, regulatory change management, uh, conduct surveillance, uh, anti-money laundering, and then know your customer roles. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I think where we, what we've done is uh, around this time last year, we actually went out and did some research to determine where we thought cognitive technologies could be applied into the financial services space, and in particular in regulatory compliance. And we saw a few opportunities there for uh, companies to improve both the efficiency, but even more importantly, the effectiveness of their activities. Uh, the first was around managing regulatory change. There's uh, anticipated to be over 300 million pages of regulations uh, by the year 2020, and it's constantly changing over time, regardless of whether you think the new administration is going to you know, reduce regulation or increase it in certain areas. The one thing we know is that there will constantly be change in the regulations, and that requires people at the banks to basically be going through these regulations on a daily basis to understand what are those changes and how do they impact them as an organization. So that's a perfect opportunity to apply cognitive technologies to read through those regulations for you and surface what are the factors that may be most relevant to you as an organization. So maybe something like MIFID II, uh, something that everybody, at our conferences a lot of people like talk about, they, they get a lot of clicks, uh, our stories get a lot of clicks on that area. So it's obviously a keen area of interest. Uh, maybe a specific use case around uh, something with MIFID II and how um, cognitive services could help uh, a firm to manage that regulatory change. 
that is a great example because MIFID II has a broad set of implications for firms involved in trading activities. Everything from figuring out what type of trading act, what level of reporting you have to do on various different types of trading activities, to you know how you manage the data and what types of information you have to provide about your trading activities. And this is something that uh, is impacting every firm that's doing any uh, trading or involved in any capital markets across Europe. And it's uh, something that the firms are struggling with to understand what's the implication on their particular business because each firm will be involved in different types of trading activities. So what reporting do you now have to do on your derivatives trading or FX trading? And the requirements are different for each type of instrument that you might be involved in trading. So what Watson has been able to do is read through those regulations and extract out there what are the requirements of firms to address and be able to deliver them directly to the people that are responsible for those particular operations or controls. Whereas in the past, you would have to assign a team to read through all the different documents surfacing. There's three different regulatory documents and a bunch of different guidance that's been surfaced around MIFID II in particular, and have to read through that and then determine who is being impacted by each part of the regulation. Some parts of the regulation are specifically related to regulatory reporting, Others uh, are related to uh, what types of controls you have to put in place around your trading activities. So being able to extract that from the regulations and deliver that to the right people in a more effective manner uh, is saving them a tremendous amount of time and enabling them to address those compliance requirements more quickly. I think that, you know, one of the looking at the regulatory burden that for financial firms face, obviously, um, Watson can help to alert uh, to suspicious activities or for know your customer uh, concerns that may be a red flag uh, some potential clients. One of the things I've always heard is that it's just it's it that there isn't a competitive advantage here and that there is this kind of desire to see a, a push toward a utility kind of a service in the industry. Where, what are the holdups to that, and where do you kind of see the, the industry moving from, you know, kind of a more working together, sharing information standpoint, or is that still a ways off? It's more talk right now, in your opinion. Well, it, it's interesting what you brought up around the uh, whether why we're applying uh, cognitive technology in this space and why we think there's an opportunity is because this is not necessarily viewed as a competitive advantage for firms, you know, being able to... Uh, read through regulations more quickly, being able to ensuring that you are addressing conduct issues, um, ensuring that you're identifying any money laundering activity or fraud. These are areas that banks have been more willing to collaborate on. And that's why you have seen certain utilities pop up around this space, like some of the KYC utilities. Uh, and uh, this is an area where a lot of firms are very interested in figuring out ways to work together. Uh, unfortunately, to date, while there's been a lot of efforts in this space, most of the what we've heard from most banks is they end up driving and requiring more work as opposed to reducing the burden. Um, and that's been one of the challenges why we haven't seen as much traction with some of the utilities to date. And what firms are asking for is they they want they're willing to collaborate, but they want things that will impact their activities and their processes at their organization first. And uh, one of the challenges we saw with the KYC utilities is that each different region, each different country, um, and different banks have different things that 
they are mandated to do, different levels of beneficial ownership that they have to identify, um, different, lo uh, different levels of risk that they're willing to tolerate. So the key thing is to make sure that you provide a common set of capabilities that then can be leveraged by the banks to reduce their own uh, level of effort and improve their efficiency and make them more effective. And we see that as an initial step that's required. And then there's going to be an opportunity to start combining some of these efforts into some type of utility or consortium. And that's where we see companies moving towards. Uh, we know a lot of the banks have requested and suggested that governments should just take responsibility for any money laundering. And the banks have said, why don't we just give you all of our transactions and you guys determine um, and analyze the data. But uh, we think uh, what we've seen is that is far from reality of the government's being willing, their willingness to step up and take on that mandate. So what we need to do is find a way for the banks to be able to collaborate more effectively on addressing this. And then in the financial services sector, um, and our audience is more capital markets, so not uh, not necessarily the retail banking space, but more in the trading space. Looking at uh, cognitive learning and kind of augmenting what a person can do, so in this case we've been talking about compliance officers, regulatory officers, people like that, um, where, do you, where do you see other potential um, benefits uh, for cognitive learning in the trading life cycle? Well, a huge opportunity is around uh, surveillance and misconduct. Uh, this is something that's plagued uh, firms globally is uh, the behavior of their traders, and they can get them into a lot of damage from losses, significant losses to fines, things of that nature. We've seen the negative impact be in the billions and that have a huge reputational impact. So being able to identify potential misconduct sooner and proactively um, identify and respond to it to try and uh, resolve it before it actually impacts the firm, either from uh, driving losses or from leading to resulting fines. And what we've seen in this space in particular, in the trading surveillance space, is we've seen technology applied in very siloed patterns and approaches and uh, where we have different technologies applied to look at the actual trades themselves, a whole different set of technologies applied around the electronic communications, and now increasingly people looking to analyze voice and monitor actual calls. Um, and that technology has been very siloed and separate. So you might identify that someone has made a trade that seems to be perfectly well-timed with the market, but it's hard to determine if they just knew what they were doing or if they had inside information or if they were involved in some pump and dump activities. So if you can't combine that with their communications to see were there relevant communications leading up to that, you can't know for sure you know, what the cause is and if it was really an issue. And then the other aspect is that most of these solutions today are very much rules-based. They define a set of rules or their lexicon-based word search. They look for you using certain words. And this is where we see an opportunity to apply cognitive technology to look at behaviors. What are the behaviors of traders? And that's everything from, you know, how do they normally trade? What lot sizes? What are the volumes? How, what's the frequency of their trading activity? What's the size of their trades? How much are they trading? Uh, things of that nature. And also, what is their behavior of their communications? Analyzing their communications to see, leading up to misconduct, do they all of a sudden become more aggressive or less aggressive? Do they start using profanity more? 
Um, do they uh, have other factors that are influencing them from motivation of their compensation, of how they're acting in the firm, the pressure they're getting, the downward pressure they're getting from management? How are those things impacting their behaviors and identify things more proactively? What, you know, I think trade surveillance is the best, uh, you know, similar example to something that we saw on the tour around um, kind of diagnosing a nine-year-old, right, that had an illness and, you know, it was kind of how today it would be done and then how it would be done with Watson. In terms of finding the sweet spot when using, you know, augmented intelligence, cognitive learning is, you know, the example with the diagnosis was, you know, what initially at maybe first pass seemed like it would be a small probability of actually being the what was the issue turned out to be the issue because after kind of some additional information was was put into the system when you look at the you look at um you know on the trade surveillance side how can cognitive learning without you know the whole idea is to streamline the process and not and kind of make things more efficient how can you ensure that after first pass what might seem like a low probability of actually occurring doesn't completely get overlooked and passed by um when it could eventually kind of on second look be you know, a higher probability of actually occurring. I, I think this is the, the perfect reason what you're explaining is exactly why cognitive technology is so perfect for this domain in particular, because there are not a distinct set of, um, it's not black and white. There isn't a single answer. And that's why we initially applied Watson to the healthcare space, because, you know, there are multiple different um, factors that may come into play. As uh, you, you see, there's different symptoms there. And you need to analyze those different symptoms and see which are more prevalent and which are more relevant to that particular um, disease you're looking for in this particular case that are more indicative of potential misconduct. Um, and that's where this technology excels is when there isn't a clear answer. That's why we started with Jeopardy because there are you know, types of questions where there actually may be multiple different answers to. And the key is to look at what are all the different potential factors out there and weigh those things and generate a set of evidence that can support a recommendation. So in essence, what Watson is doing and what any cognitive technology would do in this uh, space is look at all of those different factors. Look at the trading activity. Look at the trades they made. Look at the behavior. Look at their communications. Look at other ancillary factors that may be influencers and see how those things really combine to give insight. And it's the same thing when we look at the AML space. When we look at the AML space, you think about all the alerts that are generated. And when an alert is generated around transactions, we see that for every 100 transaction, every 100 alerts that are generated, typically only one or two result in an actual suspicious activity report being filed. That means you have 98% false positives. So what we're doing is looking at all the different attributes of that alert and looking at prior cases and determining the characteristics that might indicate this as being a true positive or not. So we're looking for um, exonerating factors. For example, maybe this customer made similar transactions in the past that have already been dismissed. Um, maybe uh, you would look for exaggerating or aggravating factors. Factors, for example, that a, another individual with a similar name uh, with a similar address had been flagged for an alert where suspicious activity was, um, you know, was reported and escalated in the past. So how do you gather up all that evidence to help the analyst make a better decision and make that decision more quickly? 
And then just, I guess, looking ahead um, from a product standpoint, um, what can, I guess, maybe uh, clients and the community at large expect as far as, I believe that the AML and KYC pieces are going to be released and, and mass later on this year, or yeah. So we uh, we started off with our regulatory change management solution, and that was one of the first solutions we introduced to market last year. And we've expanded that solution by uh, after our acquisition of Promontory by injecting their expertise to help train Watson, and now have a solution available in market that can read through the regulations and help banks identify what are the obligations they have to address and what controls need to be put in place to address that. So our regulatory compliance analytics solution was delivered last year and is now commercially available and being used by financial institutions. Uh, the second one that we launched at the end of last year and uh, have a few large banks starting to use right now is around surveillance. and. Uh, that is commercially available now, and this is where, as you know, we just talked about, we're applying this to look initially at trading behaviors and trading activity to generate insights into potential misconduct. But as has been surfaced in the news, there's a lot of other types of misconduct that uh, financial services firms are facing now, from sales mispractices to uh, suitability of products, things of that nature. And uh, with the help of Promontory, we've actually expanded that solution to be able to be applied to those other types of scenarios. So you can look at what are the behaviors of people in the branch and salespeople that are involved in misconduct and be able to identify those things more quickly, even looking at complaints and identifying what are the rationale or reasons behind complaints and might they be driven by other types of misconduct issues or are they just you know kind of operational issues. So the surveillance insight and regulatory compliance analytics solutions were the ones where we started and have available now. Um, at the end of May we're going to be launching a new set of solutions to provide the financial services industry with a platform for delivering increased insight into potential financial crimes. And uh, as part of that we are uh, providing going to be providing a set of capabilities to enhance the due diligence uh, process so being able to streamline the activities that banks have to uh, incur to basically uh, perform extend enhanced due diligence on corporations individuals or counterparties to better understand and verify the identity of those firms um, identify if they're on any sanctions or pep lists and uh, do negative news searches and uh, any other types of due diligence to validate the type of firms and the, the networks and uh, uh, the networks between the different individuals and companies and counterparties that you're doing business with. Uh, and then um, on top of that, providing enhanced insight into alerts. So as I mentioned, being able to look at and identify what are the exonerating or aggravating factors behind AML alerts so that you can more effectively and efficiently triage those alerts um, and streamline the research and investigation process. Okay. Well, Mark, thanks so much. Oh, sorry. You, yeah, I, well, just, got, well, I, I was going to cut you off there, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> kind of looking ahead, you know, we made it very clear up top. You made it very clear, you know, this is in cognitive learning, the augmented reality. This is helping humans make decisions. Uh, as when you talk about technology in this space, we talk about AI. The thing that comes up a lot, we've talked about a lot in this podcast, is AI taking jobs and kind of AI taking over and kind of cutting out human jobs. As maybe banks and more specifically regulators feel more comfortable with the technology, down the road, do you see platforms like these 
taking on a little bit more responsibility in terms of helping banks make regulatory decisions and maybe not as being as augmenting, but actually pulling the trigger? Or do you think that's kind of a bridge too far for some of these platforms? At the end of the day, the banks are always going to be the ones that are going to hold on to the responsibility. Well, well as you said, the, the regulators are always going to hold the banks accountable accountable for the process. But I, I'd share a, a great statistic that one of the, the banks that we're working with shared with us, which is that when they look at the time they spent, whether it's on uh, investigating alerts or doing due diligence, they said 50% of their time is spent collecting and aggregating information and doing the research. Um, and 25% of that of their time is spent making an actual decision, doing the analysis and deciding whether to escalate it um, or file a, su a suspicious activity report. And then another 25, the, the remaining 25% percent of the time is spent on just documenting everything that they've done in their decision process. And so so that means that 75 percent of their time just through augmented intelligence could be impacted and improved. And that's really where we're focused. How do we enable these thousands of people, um, even in the regional banks where they have hundreds of people, focused on doing all this research and uh, analyzing these alerts and making these decisions? How do we free them up to be more effective and to reduce the time they spent collecting and aggregating information and documenting and, and documenting their decisions and focus their time on doing the analysis and making the actual decision. And that's where we believe we can make them a lot smarter. So it's really about how do we enable them to focus on the right activities. And that's where we believe this technology will be applied. Um, and, and just one other great um, analogy here is when you think about any analyst that makes a decision makes a decision based on their own experience and the, the cases that they've seen. And what we're really trying to do is raise the bar so every analyst has the collective knowledge of every case that's ever been processed or investigated by the bank. And that's where the real potential value here comes. Imagine where every analyst um, across the firm was just as good as the person sitting next to them and had seen every single case the person next to them had seen. And that's where the real value comes. They can make much better decisions if they have, if you can share that collective knowledge across the entire organization. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Mark. Uh, all the best. Thank you.